conversations about love sex and everything in between today we're talking about dating we're talking about cuffing season and we're just talking about a few things that have happened so we got paris on what's up paris hello calling from remote location (laughs) this is what i get for procrastinating (laughs) per usual so how's how's your week going it is going. Big things coming. Yay. Uh, you know, I'm just just praying on it. Yay. Good for you. Um, <laughs> I am I'm thankful that I was able to catch you. I wasn't going to do this at first, which is why, sorry, you were not the first in my thoughts. So just. You know, as a man, I'm, I totally understand me sure. never being first in women's thoughts. But it's okay. We can continue. All right. So a few things have happened this week. Um, we have. I was on Facebook the other day, and you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to do some self care. I'm laying in the bed. I'm scrolling, and I see this picture, and it's a picture of uh, a guy's uh, pay stub, and. <laughs> And the pay stub shows three deductions of child support. And the caption on top of the picture says, let me try and pull it up. It says, it says the father didn't want his name mentioned. He's a victim of this unjust system. Baby mama did this out of spite to hurt him. Hashtag child support issues. Hashtag fuck child support. Hashtag movement for fathers. <sighs> so let me be really transparent here. Let me be very transparent. I'm not even going to act like I, I don't have any kids. I am not experiencing this. I don't know how it feels to take somebody to court for child support. Um, so I just threw it on my social media, and then, of course, there were, like, tons and millions of comments, which I appreciated the dialogue that was happening. Inherently, as a person who's outside of this, I'm not going to act like I know everything. I do know guys that I think who are amazing fathers who are paying child support. I know guys who are amazing fathers that I think are paying too much in child support. Um, and let me read to you the d- deductions here. It says child support. I'm assuming this is child number one, $65 child support. Number two, $38 child support. Number three, $93. And I guess he's left his remaining balance, um, is $161 and 48 cents after paying out the child support, which doesn't leave him with a lot. Now, my inherent issue is the name of the group that is posting these pictures, and it's called Fuck Child Support. That, that is a splinter group of the deadbeat dads. <laughs> you look what you did, Paris. <laughs> look what you did. <laughs> Yo, like, 
Yo, I understand, like, if you might feel attacked or whatever. However, like, you, if you aren't showing up, period. Like, for me, the message is to dudes who aren't showing up. Like, how else are you supposed to, I don't know, support your child? Like, kids got to eat. Why is there a whole group dedicated to this? What's going on? T- talk, talk to so, me. Talk to so me, Pierce. I, I think there is. Um, what is? It's kind of sad because you have uh, a bunch of groups, and you have a bunch of movements in America, <laughs> um, which we'll probably touch on later. Where you have some people who are um, well within their right to say. Uh, Fuck child support. Uh-huh. The problem is when those, like, if there's a group of 10, if those two people have a legit reason, and then they're eight, you have no damn reason to be on this, saying this, uh, to pop up. And that's what they do. So, with that situation, I don't know that situation. Of course, of course. But I do know of situations where I hear guys saying, um you know, fuck child support. <laughs> the reason why they say fuck child support is because it's taking money out of their paycheck. Um, they're not spending time with their children. Okay. Uh, and they're not really integral in their children's lives. And a lot of them drop the ball. Yeah. Now, what happens is when they first start working again, they get really upset when they figure out that you know, this pay, this child support stuff is is real. And then you have some gentlemen who get upset that their license is taken away because it was back child support. Mm. And you're like, well, what did you do to 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 pay it? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to um to show that person that you will be there to support the child? Um, you know, money is very important. Um, time is of the essence and is, I think, is 10 times more important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to sit there and act like there aren't women that, and I've literally heard this in passing, like women having conversations like, yep, as soon as I have this baby, as soon as I can get out the hospital, as soon as I can get out the house or, you know, have like bed rest, or first thing I'm doing, I'm going down to child support. And I remember one time I heard that, and I mean, you're really upset just because I thought about if that were my child and I made the promise that I was going to take care of my child, I think you should at least give me a chance to, um, quote unquote, like, fuck up before we get courts involved. Mm. I think... I think when it comes to like my child and my relationship with that with with the lady involved, I don't necessarily want the courts involved unless they have to be involved. And for someone to preemptively go down and and put somebody on child support, um, sometimes they create a wedge in a relationship. Mm. Um, another thing, if I am paying child support. Um, and if I let's say I have a nice job and I'm paying child support, I want this money to take care of the child. I'm not going to be there to take care of you. Mm. It's to support my child, not to support your weed, not to support your nails, not to support your going out. 
if you're able to do that with your money because of my child support, that's great. But if you're using my child support for that and my child is still not being adequately taken care of, that's that's another thing. I think that's where you have some of these men on that group saying, fuck child support. The victims of stuff like that, um, well, I wouldn't call them victims. Because at the end of the day, you slept with someone unprotected. Listen. You, the consequences do come, but we'll get to that later. But, like, those are the people that are probably on there. But then you have the deadbeats who are really upset at the fact that they're on child support when they don't take care of that child. And that's, like, that's that's fuck boy, fuck girl, whatever you want to call it. You have a lot of that going on. But I do think there is some truth. And um, I don't know if I would make a Facebook group out of it. Uh, maybe, you know, men across America need to commiserate the fact that they unfairly put on child support. But I do think that, one, um, there are some men that have legitimate gripes. But I do think the majority of the people in that group are just full of shit. <laughs> and that's where I was coming from. Um, my My cousin in love made a very great point. And she was like, yo, so for the dudes that actually, like, like the dudes that are woe is me, they might be out there complaining on the on the on like the on on this group. However, like um, for the dudes that are paying it because they know like they got to take care of their business, like they're not wasting their time on the group talking about you. You ain't out here just showing out your pay stub, like and no shade whatsoever to to this person. And of course, not knowing the full situation, but. $65 every two weeks? Like, ooh, she ripping you off. Like, yo, have you seen? Also, I think I dropped a hundred on my nephew's in, toys the other day. Like, it's, 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 uh, it's more yeah, than I, 65. I think, <laughs> I think I pay like, you know, as much as he paid, I think I pay that in like healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> every paycheck. Um, but, you know, to him, percentage-wise, and of what course. he's making and how he has to live, that definitely could affect oh, you yeah. know, his way of living. Oh, yeah. Um, my, my question to you is, what happens when the, the mother of the children mm-hmm. turns around and tells him, I need more money? What is he supposed to do? I mean, the very valid point. I mean, I don't... Honestly, I've, I don't know. Like, I, I know nothing about this. I know nothing about, I'm not even going to pretend to know the costs and expenses um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to raising children. I think that if someone turns around, they're like, I need more money and there's no justification. Like, there's going to have to be a justification. There's going to have to be a like, hey, so I'm doing what I can. I'm also trying to eat. How can I best support you in doing X, Y, and Z? Was is there a different? Is there some? Has something changed? Is the child sick? Like I think there needs to be a conversation. And when I think about the conversation, a lot of folks commented on my posts, both on Instagram and Facebook, and were like, um, "You should that dude should have wrapped it up. Like you should have used the condom." And I I don't I'm not going as far as saying that because for me it takes. It takes two to have a child, right? And so before we go into like, oh, that dude should use a condom, I think I think everybody in the situation needs to be assessing like, yo, 
We know what happens if we don't use a condom, a condom breaks, etc. If there are any condoms, if you don't pull out, whatever is happening with you. Are you asking the questions? Are you thinking through like, yo, can I stand this person to even co-parent for the next 18 years? Like, is this person even reasonable? Like, what's the financial situation looking like? Like, no child deserves to be haphazardly, for me, I don't think any child deserves to be haphazardly thought of. But then, especially when it comes to their care, hell no. Like, it takes money, like, thoughts... Thoughts and everything and love is great, but it also takes money to raise children. Like, we got to be honest. Like, it's an expensive-ass investment. Um, a deserve, Like, if, it's that, if that's the path that we choose, they deserve, kids deserve to have the best. And parents got to pay for that shit. But it also requires, kids didn't ask to be here. Like, people got to have conversations, yo. We got to, we got to, we have to, we have to talk. Not only do we have to talk, but I think there has to be um, an honest conversation. And it has to be an open conversation. Because as much as we like to talk about the openness and um, and communities across America, <laughs> the, stigma, the stigma associated with a couple, or not even a couple, but two people mm-hmm. who had a rendezvous, and there's a child that's created out of this... Mm-hmm. If you know that you're taking home $400 a paycheck, excess in child support, you're taking home $131, I really think, and there shouldn't be any social stigma upon this, you should think about alternative forms to, I mean, when I'm talking about like abortion, adoption, like those need to be honest conversations that you should have. If you don't believe in abortion, then you should talk about adoption. If you are saying you can't do either two of those because that's my child and that's my seed, this, that, other, then whatever happens at this point, it's going to happen. Mm. But once those once those honest relationships start, I mean, honest conversations start happening, I think a lot of people will be better off. Um, I would never fault anyone if they wanted to go and have adoption or abortion if you know that you are not able to take care of that child if you know that that child won't be able to get the love and support that that child deserves then why bring that child in the world and keep that child um the world world may never know there's a lot of second i said the world may never know but the the world may never know because the world is so stuck on um, social norms and it's taboo to even talk about those two things. Mm. When you hear about people having abortions or you hear about people that have uh, they give their child up for adoption, mm. it's always a cautionary tale. There's <laughs> always something that's whispered behind that person's back. That's true. That's and true. It's never something that we can openly talk about. And there's nothing wrong. There's right. nothing wrong with that decision. Right. I think that takes more uh, carriage and more thought of a person to realize for that couple or that, that those two people in that situation to realize um, we may not be there yet. Right. I see. We may not be there. We may not be where we want to be. Now, this isn't a prescription to go around and just give all your kids up for adoption <laughs> and have, you know, 10 or 15 abortions, but... There are situations where you, you know, 
if you give up multiple kids for abortion, I mean, multiple abortions or multiple kids for adoption, if that, if you're ensuring that there will be a better life or you're showing that you want to be able to give a better life, then I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but when you have closed conversations, you'll continue to have dumbass Facebook uh, groups like this. Yeah, I could. Where you have people saying, fuck child support. When, like, no, you should support your child. Now, if you are supporting your child and then she still takes you down child support, I think that's a shitty thing. But um, if you're not supporting your child and she takes you down for child support, I think the point of child support is it's, just that. It's just that's that. That's you're on child support. Like, how are you mad? Like, that, that was my whole thing. Like, whatever the situation is, of course we don't know. But, like, you know, like, why couldn't... Well, I just don't understand why the group couldn't be called, like, Dads supporting dads. Like, you had to make a fuck child support group? Like, y'all ain't shit. Like, I just, I couldn't get down with no it. No like, joining that group. <laughs> no just, one joining the Facebook group that says dad supporting dads. <laughs> See, fuck, if you. Fuck child support is way hotter. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Lem, hey, bro, let me see what this group's all about. Y'all, uh, I can't. All right, you ready for the next thing? Yes. All right. So, there was an article that. Paris, for some reason, thought was, uh, what, what did you think it was? You thought it was? I thought it was satire. You thought it was fake news, basically? So, this I researcher... Thought was, I, thought you were, I thought it was like an April Fool's, this has to be a joke, this can't be real. Nah, boo. So, the article is called, Why So Many Women Cheat on Their Husbands, and I found it to be so fascinating, and uh, when we have more time, I'd love to talk about it more. But, um, basically, the the article is about a researcher, basically, is a couple researchers trying to figure out trends in marriage, and what the author found out was about just trends in women actually cheating um, as much um, as men do. And so, basically, there's all these quotes from different women as to why they cheat on why they cheat on their husbands and the small snippet of this was it says what surprised me the most about these conversations was not that my friends were cheating but that many of them were so nonchalant in the way that they described their extramarital adventures there was deception but little secrecy or shame often they loved their husbands but felt in some fundamental way that their needs whether that be sexual emotional or psychological were not being met inside the marriage. Some even wondered if their husbands knew about their infidelity, choosing to look away. The fact is, one of these friends told me, I'm nicer to my husband when I have something special going on that's just for me. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nothing fake news about this. The ladies is getting it out here, okay? Women women ain't no longer sitting home being like, oh damn. Feeling sorry for work. myself. They out here getting that new dick, and I ain't mad about it. You better get it. They never. They <laughs> never. This is the thing. They they never were sitting back, just <laughs> accepting it. Like I don't know why. Like I watch way too much Mad Men and other old shows. <laughs> and shows that exploit women and men to know. You that said Mad Men. Grandma was fighting just as much as the girls these days. It just wasn't social media around. Your great grandmother and your grandmother was dying just as much as you. Don't she do did. that. Don't do they that. They just did it. They 
They just did it under. They just did it under wraps. I honestly, but, I honestly, I honestly don't. I I don't know. I don't know because like one of the things that the article did bring up. I mean, it's a very. I feel like they, it was a very intensive article. I think they were saying how women of the past were just more likely, instead of stepping out, to just divorce their husbands because they felt like, oh, I will find a man that I love and that can do X, Y, and Z for me. And I also think, thinking about financials as well, like, go find somebody else that can support you, whereas women don't really have that now. And I think, for me, what I took away from the article was that women are just like, yo, we have, I'm partnered to you. I think we make amazing parents. We have a great family. I know what divorce can do to my family. So therefore like I'm sticking through it. Like you're cool. I'm cool. You might not fulfill X, Y, and Z, but that's all right. I could just find it somewhere else. And I think these women that were interviewed, um, or that came up in this research were basically like, uh, when am I going out here getting divorced again to get remarried? I know exactly what I'm getting myself into. So, mm-hmm. that brings me back to a couple points. All right. One, I thought it was satire because I felt like that's the same thing a guy would say. <laughs> and then every listener that is listening now would title him a fuckboy. Well. And, two, if Kevin Hart came out and made that same exact Lord have mercy. Don't and you put it out there and hold on and put it out there in a newspaper article, no one would be saying it was interesting. Everybody would be calling him an even bigger piece of shit. So it's funny how it's flipped when a uh, woman writes it okay. from a woman point of view, everyone's like, Well that's interesting. I can actually listen to that. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I can see how that can happen. But when men have been saying this literally for years, like I cheat that woman means nothing to me. You mean everything. It's just certain things she does that makes me happy. I still go home to my wife and my kids, and I am the greatest father and husband to them. But on the side, I do X, Y, and Z to keep me happy and thus keeping my family happy. Yeah. And everyone calls that person a piece of shit. Yeah. Because the world expects y'all to be pieces of shit because y'all are pieces of shit. That's the way y'all been acting from the beginning of time. No one expects so women... ladies pieces of shit. These ladies are pieces Yo, of shit. Yo, but no one expects women who are so devoted to their husbands and their children and their households to be out here doing that and to talk about it. So that's why I found, and I think the people that commented on it as well, found it so illuminating because it was like, oh shit... Ladies out here doing it for themselves. I don't believe in cheating. Well, you know, you know how I feel about cheating. Damsels in distress. You guys are not damsels in distress. You never have been. If men once paint you as that, they were stupid to do so. You were never damsels in distress. If anything, a woman who cheats is probably the smoothest savage person in the world. I mean, because most guys are too dumb to even realize it's happening. This is why they can sit here and make an article and every guy who reads this whose wife is actually cheating will sit there and be like, damn, I'm happy that's not my face. <laughs> and like, I guarantee you they're reading this on Facebook right now. Like, damn, baby, I'm happy that's not you. And she's like, yep, here's some more tea. It keeps going with our life. And you <laughs> don't know. Because they're so smooth. They're so 
such smooth operators with it. So I don't want to sit here Savage. and continue to talk about this unless we can establish that women, and these women in particular, is just as much of a piece of shit as Kevin Hart is. Listen. Because you're trying to condone, and you're trying... And I don't even... It's not interesting. It's, you know why it's not interesting to me? Because as a guy, I've heard men say this for years. So when I hear a woman say this, I'm like, of course. That's the same thing men have been saying for years. You're not saying anything new. So you're you expect women to cheat as what is like as much as men basically is what you're saying. Not as well. I don't. I'm not saying I don't expect women to cheat as much. I'm saying the reason the reasoning for cheating in a marriage. Mm. Yeah, I, heard I mean, men say this. So when men, when I hear that women are saying this in particular, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked at all because. Men have been saying this about their relationships. Men have been saying this about their relationships on the side when when it comes to their marriage for years. And I feel like now that I hear a woman saying this, my mind isn't blown because I'm not surprised. I've literally heard this from men who've been caught cheating or men that are cheating and their wives do not know about it. They've literally said the exact same thing <laughs> as these women are saying. So I am not shocked by the fact that this is their reasoning for cheating. I'm not here to speak numbers on how many men, how many wives, or how many husbands are cheating. I'm here to say this is the reason behind cheating. Now, it's not right. Maybe they should have an open conversation. Maybe they're both cheating on each other. They should just have an open relationship. And it doesn't <laughs> matter. But I feel like both parties or... Um, Whenever someone steps out in their marriage uh-huh. and they and they're still happy at home, this is one of the reasons why they're happy at home. Maybe their partner isn't doing something for them, and they're able to get it somewhere else. But that's the one thing that they're lacking out of their relationship. Everything else is a ten. Therefore, they want to keep that unit together. And I think if they have, a, I mean, it wouldn't be cheating if they had a conversation with their their spouse to know about it, but. I don't know. I'm just not shocked at all. When I when I read this, I thought it was satire because I thought this was something that a woman was doing to make fun of a man at first. I mean, I just feel like... <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I think all of those points are valid. I... I just find I find the article interesting because I don't I I don't think I personally expected like yeah like you're saying those those same attitudes. Um, but for me, I think the thing that the overall messaging for me, which, I mean, it's just going to take us so long uh, outside of this show to decipher and and for another show, I mean, um, is kind of like the reason what, what brought to mind for me was the reasons why people get married. And I know there's a million different reasons why people get married, but I think some of the underlying messaging that I was getting from reading a lot of these women's responses was like, oh, I thought it was going to be this, and then I found out it was actually, like, having a fourth child that I had to pick up after. Oh, I thought marriage was going to be like this, but my husband is so boring and uninteresting, and (laughs) he doesn't like taking me dancing and blah, blah, blah. And for me, I think the interesting part to hear from a woman's perspective is because for so many women, uh, marriage is just seen as an achievement. It's like, oh, when are you going to okay. get married? Oh, you should get married. Oh, you're getting too old when you want to get married. So, like, if this is the thing that we should have been working towards our whole lives and now we have it, and then it's like, oh, this shit ain't really what I thought it was going to be. What the hell is this? 
for me, I've, I'm looking at all these perspectives like, yo, it's probably because we get, we think it's an achievement when it's another step. I mean, we all have our different views about marriage. Some people see it as an arrangement. Some people see it as a partnership. Some people see it as I did it because I was in love. X, Y, and Z, whatever, we'll explore it another time. But for me, it really showed like, wow, we really got marriage backwards. If you thought it was going to be your end all be all and have everything that you needed in it. And you actually find out it's not. Marriage should not complete you. There you go. Come on. We can agree on this. Should completely. (laughs) Like, like the act of marriage should never complete you. Yeah. Um, you can, it's, it's funny. You can look at a lot of marriages and you can look at, um, the ceremony in particular. And it's sad if you can look at the ceremony and go, that was the highlight of their entire marriage. Because a lot of people do it for that. Yeah. A lot of people do it for all the pumps and circumstances. When in actuality, if that person doesn't make you like smile when you, like, you probably, I mean, I know you, you, you do this. I'm excited to get home to my significant other. Mm. Like, when I get off of work, even still. Yeah. I don't know if it wears away after five years, but, like, <laughs> I'm like, damn, I can't, damn, I can't wait to get home and see her. <laughs> and it's, like, an excitement. Like, I hate, like, I really hate today at work. I can't wait just to go home and just, like, hug her and just talk to her, this, that, and the other. So, if you are not feeling that, and maybe not every couple is like that, you don't have to be like that. If you guys don't share, like, a common, like, togetherness, um, then you're going to always run into that problem. Yeah. If, no. you, if you guys don't feel like you're, you're 100% together, or you guys complement each other, or you guys are always there for each other, then you'll probably run into this, to this all the time. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I completely, we can completely 100% agree on that. And that's no shade to other people. Like, I know people get married for all different reasons. Um, but I think in this instance and hearing these women's responses, it really boiled down to, Oh shit, you thought this was going to be a 100% like you complete me. And like you're saying, the way I see marriage is we are two people who are coming together and we're complementing each other's lives. Like we are two individuals who are sharing our hopes and dreams, not overshadowing each other and sharing a new journey and path together. And so it just didn't feel like it may, I don't know what the messages were that, um, that, that, you know, some of the people in the article received. And I think we're all, we're all figuring it out. I mean, I know for me, I, I know a lot of long-term married people, but I don't like the way that they communicate. I don't like the way that they talk to each other. I don't like this or that. And so I try and formulate what I want my marriage to be, you know, centered around like my ideals. And so we got a longer show. I see, I see we about to have a marriage show and so talk, I mean, to, to talk the, more about the things. truth is the truth. All right. So speaking of marriage, you know, some things that some people do before marriage is dating. And that's what this show is all about. So I wanted to talk about this because you had mentioned some. A couple weeks ago about how cuffing season's coming up, and we got to talk about it. So it's coming up. I mean, I don't know where it's coming. I don't know when it's coming because I'm sitting here in a tank top, and I I still have the AC on in my house, 
So I don't know when it's coming, but it's it's it might not be coming because hashtag global warming, hashtag climate change. Um, that- the weather's supposed to change, I think, next week. Yo, next week or in a week, a week I'm wearing a tank top and but, sandals. Like, it's almost October. What oh, is going on? The, the AC is on. It's real out here. Yo, I am hot. <laughs> like, I am, I'm hot. Um, but cuffing <laughs> season's upon us. And also, I wanted to take Vagistine back to its roots. So I created Vagistine because I wanted a way for listeners to learn from each other. I created Vagistine as a as a workshop series, as a podcast for people to learn from each other. I always say in all of my workshops, I'm not the expert in the room. We're all experts because we all have our own backgrounds. We all have our own experiences. And so I wanted to get back to the roots of hearing from you and hearing and listening and learning from each other. So Paris and I are going to talk for a little bit more, but at the end of the show, um, I have a few listeners that submitted their stories on dating, their biggest dating lessons, um, there's going to be some laughs in there. There's going to be some serious stuff. So be prepared because I'm super excited about, um, these dating stories, but I bring this to you, Paris, because I wanted to talk about your biggest dating lesson, or maybe you have big dating lessons. And I know you, I know I threw that on you. So I'll go first. Are you ready? I'm ready. So I think for me, the biggest dating lesson is don't try and don't try and make it something it's not. So I feel like with dating, and especially now that we're getting older and for folks who are still dating, um, oftentimes we feel this pressure to get married or like this person has to be the one or no matter what, like past this age, like I want to be married and have children and boom. Whereas I feel like when we do that, we kind of set ourselves up to make, make a person fit into a mold that they don't fit into. And we're overlooking red flags. We're overlooking things that, that core things that you need to have in place or core things that are important to us. Um, because we're trying to make this person fit into this life plan that's so subjective and really doesn't matter. Um, you need to find the best person for yourself. So I think trying to force a person to a mold or trying to make it something that it's not is detrimental. So I think that's a big dating lesson there. Oh, that would be, uh... I do what I can every once in a while. I do what I can every once in a while. <laughs> Um, dating lesson that I would have would be, um, overall, um, whatever you're doing on the date, uh, you might want to, um, keep it, keep it classy. Ooh, And I'll explain that where, like, if it's the first date. Okay. Or the first series of dates. Okay. Um, if you really like this person and if you really respect this person, um, Try to keep alcohol or drugs or anything else to, like, a minimum. <laughs> okay. So, like, if we go out and we don't have drinks, don't drink five or six Hemi and Cokes for men or female. I see. Because you, I, I think one of the, 
because that can ultimately kill um, the relationship or the, the budding relationship on a simple fact that, like, I don't know you that well to know drunk you. I see. Um, drunk you is something that is a very acquired taste, and I think you love the drunk person once you love them. Depending on the type of person they are when they drink or when they do whatever they, like, you know, whatever whatever illicit or um, or, or legal drugs that they, that they want to prescribe to, um, I feel like you should keep it very casual um, on your on your dates. Okay. Um, don't try to do anything really, really, really fancy. Um, I'm a big believer in not going to the movies. Okay. For dates. Um, do something where you guys can really interact with each other. And talk. And whoever's planning the date, make sure you plan something that's in your wheelhouse. Ah, I see what you so, got. Okay. Okay. You want to make sure you can show up your expertise or whatever you're really good at or whatever you're very knowledgeable about because nothing really turns somebody that's actually interested in you on than to see that other person um, involved and very knowledgeable about something. That's something like very attractive to seeing someone doing their thing, quote unquote. Okay. So, okay. Um, so that's what I mean by keeping it classy. Don't go out and don't drink or do too much drugs. And keep it very simple. Keep it very keep it very casual. Do something that um that feels right to you. I see. Um if it doesn't feel right to you, don't do it. I think for me, the second lesson, the second lesson, and then we'll close out. Don't listen to Steve Harvey. Don't listen to Tyrese. Yeah. Don't listen. Don't, they they don't offer. They don't they, they don't have any good advice for you, sis. They ain't got any good advice for you, sis. They don't know what they talking about. They just making money. Don't 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 buy that book. Just come on over here to the Vagasine podcast. We gonna we gonna get it right for you. We gonna we gonna get the we gonna get the essence of what you need. You just don't need. What did Jay Z say? I'm gonna put you on game. Bars. I'm gonna put you on game for nine ninety nine. But I don't need. But today. It's a special offer. There's no $9.99. I'm giving it to you for free. You don't need <laughs> you don't need to hear Big Tooth Harvey. We got what you need right here, okay? Because we actually care about you, okay? So you ain't gotta buy that book. You ain't gotta do any of that. You can be yourself. Ain't no act like a lady shit. No think like a that's bullshit. Like, no. It's the most absurd thing. If you wanna wear Whatever you want to wear, you like to wear your hair a certain way, then do you, boo-boo. And if that person ain't with it, then on to the next one. Like I said, there's plenty of peens out here. There's plenty of peens. Yes. That, that's <laughs> so true. Plenty um, of peens and vagines. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. We're gonna, we, I'm going to go edit this episode. You can go play whatever you're going to play or go get some sleep. We I will, I'm about to finish watching Narcos. We'll do that. Um, we will let we will let the lovely, awesome um, guest of the Vagistine podcast share their stories. Shout out to Raul, Hope, Brian, Yodi, 
and Ayane Mani for sharing their stories. I really appreciate it. And so I hope y'all enjoy it. Yodi just sounds like she has a hot story. I I mean I haven't listened to Yodi story stories yet because I've been at work all day long. So the one every every story is different and unique, and I hope you all enjoy them. So. Send us your feedback. Send us what you think about the stories. You can hashtag this on Twitter at hashtag Badgesteam. You can follow the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, as well at Badgesteam. And you could text us now at 443-692-7802. So like I said, we want to hear from you. And we're taking Badgesteam to its roots. So if you got a story to tell or share, we want to hear it as well. So enjoy. Talk to you soon. See you later. What's up, everybody? I'm Brian, and I'm definitely about to share some dating stories from the Black gay community that I'm a part of. Dating in 2017 is literally trash. Uh, Between social media and Snapchat, like, oh, this girl tweeted and she didn't respond to my Snapchat, so she doesn't like me, or she didn't text me back. Like, I don't, I don't have time for this. Like, I'm almost 25. I don't have time for this. Story number one. So, Long story short, I moved to a new city for my girlfriend of three years. We broke up as soon as we got here. You know, I am started to move on with my life. I met this girl. I'm going to just say her name is Girl A. I meet Girl A automatically, swooning over her. She's bad. She's fine. She's like chocolatey. I love it. We're talking. We're texting. You know, we're from, we're both from Detroit. And turns out she's about to leave to go study in South Africa for the summer. So we didn't have a chance to meet or go on a date or anything. But we kept in contact, even with the the change difference. Um, She ghosted me, then popped back up talking about her phone didn't work. Over her, Her phone broke in Africa. And, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, it's fine, it's cool, you know. So then we're talking, we're texting. A couple weeks later, her godbrother passes away. You know, she's upset as to be expected. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't have to work until 11 the next day. I wish I could drive down and see you. Remind or mind you, she's in Ohio. I'm in Michigan. You know, she's I mean, she's only 45 minutes away. But still, state lines are about to be crossed. So I go, (laughs) I drive to Ohio to see her. Um, you know, we're chilling on the couch, whatever, whatever. Long story short, sex goes down. It was it was meh in terms of previous sexual experiences. And then I never heard from her again. Like, she, we, we had sex, and then I didn't hear from her for almost a month. And in my head, I'm freaking the fuck out. I'm like, I drove across state lines for pussy state motherfucking lines and you fucking ghosted me i've been swooning over you for these last three months and you ghosted me time goes on i'm moving with my life living a whole life you know doing whatever hashtag pro ho and 
And then I get a message, you know, that just says, my godbrother died, my sister went to jail, my dad died, you know, all these things that apparently happened in the amount of time that she goes to me. And I'm like, I understand that that's, that's a big, big thing or whatever. And she's like, I like you too much to just ghost you or not talk to you again. And I'm like, oh, she likes me. And then she, you know, obviously she's not like super, you know, texty or whatever, because she's dealing with, you know, some emotional, you know, uproar, which is fine. I just happened to go to her Facebook because I know, because it's 2017, I can find anybody anywhere. And I just happened to look up her Facebook. I see that there's, there's a picture of a nigga on his motherfucking knee as her picture. And I had asked her about it before because I was like, hey, I found you. What's this? What's this? And she's like, oh, it's nothing. We were in an open relationship anyway. We're not engaged anymore. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, smooth. Go back to her page, you know, a couple months later. And I see it's publicly visible that she's engaged to this nigga. Fine. You know, I'm pissed. But then I see a post. You know how you can see some people's posts, even if you're not their friend? I see this post from said nigga. And it says, so my baby, girl A just wrote this. And I'm like, excuse me? Yo, mm. Like, I was just, I was, I livid. I had to block them both. I have not heard from girl A in, I don't know how long. I'm fucking done. Like, I'm not crossing state lines for mediocre pussy again. Like, I don't, I don't have time. So that's girl A. Now we're moving on to girl B. And this just happened this past weekend um, for September, whatever that was, like, twenty third or whatever this past weekend was i'm at this show i'm at a show to see my friend we i'm she gets done performing i'm waiting for her to come up my ex's best friend walks up to me same ex that i was with for three years her best friend walks up she's like hey Bree, da, 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 da. and i'm like what's up and then i catch my eye catches this other girl girl b who you know i've been fucking for a minute you know it's whatever whatever and girl B is on a date with my ex's best friend. What type of shit is that? They walk up and I'm like, oh, <laughs> y'all on a date? What's going on? Okay, that's cool. And I'm like, I text girl B like immediately. I'm like, don't say shit. Continue your date. Don't say shit. And it's like my ex's best friend used to be my ex's girlfriend you know way back in the day because they've been friends for a long time and i'm just like only this shit would happen to me and then i turned around and went to girl c's house cuddled up with her and then and then like fucked her on the couch or whatever so i'm just i'm living a really 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 I'm, I, is this my best life like is this is this what i'm supposed to be doing is this what Bodak Yellow is about? Like, I don't, I don't have time for this. Dating in 2017 is the ultimate just craziness. I think one of the big mistakes is that we become so interconnected 
with people like you meet someone you add them on facebook on twitter on social media like all the social media and then you're texting them and it's like you don't even have time to get to know this person because you're seeing you know all of the things that they're updating on social media things in their life so it's like by the time you you know get to getting to know them or hanging out with them you kind of already know everything you know she got an auntie uh, auntie Gwendolyn in California you know her little brother Pookie is her pride and joy like you already know these things I think in the black gay community also it's just so small like it's and, and, and maybe in all you know major uh city black communities black gay communities LGBTQA, what have you. It's just so small. It's so small. That that encounter from this weekend about running into someone else that I fucked on a date with my ex's best friend, that could only, that only, how? That could, one, that shit can only happen to me, but um, that's wild. That is wild because the community is so small and there's so many there are so few fish to pick from. And I'm when I met my ex, I was surprised that we didn't have any any mutual ties or anything. No, I call it spider webs. No spider webs from her. And we were able to be like in a bubble where, you know, I didn't have to worry about who else she fucked and blah, 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 blah. But now I'm like in this world and I'm like, oh, see, I can't be gay no more. This is this is ridiculous. Like, I can't I can't do this. And so those are my dating stories. 2017 ain't shit for my my love life. Like I lost my girlfriend that I thought I was about to marry. I drove across state borders for pussy. Oh, let me tell you guys about this one night stand that I had. So I meet this girl on this app. You know, we're talking. It's 11 o'clock. By 1 o'clock, I was at her house. 11 o'clock at night, by 1 a.m., I was at her house. You know, we talked a little bit. We smoked. We watched a little bit of Broad City because I'm obsessed with Broad City. And we we get to the bedroom, clothes off, you know, whatever, whatever. And she wasn't cute. She wasn't cute. This was, like, the first girl that I slept with after the breakup. Like, she wasn't cute. She was, like, it was just not whatever. It was whatever. We get our clothes off, and she says, I've never been all the way with a girl before. Bitch, I'm naked in your house? I don't even fucking know you, and you're telling me that you don't know what the fuck you... I... (laughs) I was so done. And then at this point, I was like, well, fuck. Guess we need to fuck. Obviously, that shit was trash. Complete trash. Another dating story. Uh, So couple weeks later I meet another girl and we're talking it's cool she's really really affectionate even though I had only known her maybe like three days I was like ah this is weird but I went with it you know just to see because I've been in a relationship for the last three or was in a relationship for the last three years or so and you know things have obviously changed in the dating world and I so we we go I meet up meet up her with her at her house and we are one she has this air mattress the big air mattresses that sit like you know 12 more than like a foot off the floor or whatever and this tiny tv house smells like straight up dog from her roommate it was just awful then you know things get hot and heavy 
sex is happening. She goes to put her finger in my ass, and I'm like, in 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 general, this might. Be, I mean, I don't care who knows, but like, in general, with you know enough warn and warning, enough coaxing, you know everything that's fine. But don't do that shit. And, and and not and not you know say some shit don't do that shit out cold don't do it and then I you know as it's, it's happening I'm like no 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 this doesn't feel good and she's like yes it does bitch bitch are you my asshole are you my asshole you are not about to tell me that this feels good when I'm literally like it it was in and it brought back really like traumatic experiences for me. And I was like, see, no, I've got to put my clothes on and left. And (laughs) I was like, how the fuck dare you? Like, tell me that this feels good. Who the fuck are you? I don't know what type of stud shit that you're on because I don't typically date super studs. And I'm like, I don't know what type of shit that you on. Like, she was mad that she didn't have her strap. And there's one thing, the main thing I cannot stand as a lesbian that thinks that her strap is about to save, you know, third world children or some shit. Like, it's not, that's not all you got, boo. I'm gonna need for you to chill on that. Like, chill. So, dating in 2017 ultimately is a mess. And what I've learned so far is that this world is very small. Um maybe not searching everyone on social media but then I would have never known that girl A was engaged and then I would have been out here all lovey-eyed and shit and thinking you know oh she likes me but she's just you know in her own world when in actuality she's out here sucking some dick and whatever and I'm like that's fine suck your dick but like let me know and that's the other thing is that I didn't with girl A I didn't have a problem if she was in an open relationship with a dude because girl C is also in an open relationship with a dude. That doesn't bother me. It's the fact that you did not communicate what was going on. I will be the weekend by SZA. I don't give a fuck. That's fine. I'm not looking for shit. Just fuck me. And... But you didn't communicate, and that's the issue, is that people aren't communicating. Let me know. If you got another side chick, if you got somebody else, if you're sleeping with somebody else, let me know, because that's how shit, that's how people catch shit. That's how shit, ugh. I'm gonna go, because I am one three minutes before I need to go into work, and I will just keep talking, because I, I will, I will just keep talking, so thank you for listening to my story, thank you for listening to Vagisteam, it's a really, really awesome, awesome podcast, like, what Vanessa's doing is so great, and I'm trying to do what she's doing in Michigan, and it's super awesome, so... Thank you guys for listening to my story and my rants. And hopefully I'll be back on Vagisteam to talk about some more stuff. So thanks a lot. Bye. Hi, I'm Yodi and I am a Generation Xer unapologetically. Um... <laughs> Like, as far as my dating life is concerned right now, it's a little bit slow. You know, I was in a long-term relationship, and then um, I took a minute for myself. I took some a, a good little period of time 
for myself to dedicate to myself where I wasn't um, dating anybody after the breakup. And so now I'm to the point where I'm trying to get back out there. And it's not easy because the game has changed quite a bit. Um, I feel like I have two left feet um, in this graceful dance. It's like certain codes and nuances that I have to relearn. That's a little bit different from how I was back in the day when I was out there dating and meeting people, meeting, um, you know, people that I was attracted to. Like most of the guys um, that I was with were people that were like in my neighborhood or that I had some type of connection to through family or friends. And now there is so many other options that you people got. Like there are apps for this man. <laughs> and I have to figure out how to navigate the space. Like, and I've had some failures and like, I know, I'll call this guy Young Bay. It was a young guy who was trying to talk to me. And I think there was about a 12-year age difference from us. And I was, like, uncomfortable, right, because he was significantly younger than me. And I was like, what, why, why, why for? Why do I need to do this to myself? And so everything was cool. He was okay. He was willing to ease into it because I guess he really seemed interested. And it was going all good until we were texting. And next thing you know, bam, he sends me this new picture of himself. And I was like taken aback, right? Because we, we didn't do that. We didn't do that when we first started date, when, when I was out there starting to date. We did not do the nudes, right? <laughs> So, I mean, I looked and everything. It was nice. <laughs> but I was, like, uncomfortable because I did not know how to feel about this. And I'm like, that, there's a 12-year difference between us. This guy's maybe, like, seven years older than my oldest child. <laughs> and then, of course, he was expecting me to send a new back. And I was like, nah, yo, I'm somebody's grandmother. <laughs> Real talk. I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I mean, I respectfully um, deleted his picture and never called him back because I just felt kind of bad. Um, and then there was this time when my Uber driver asked my phone number through the app. Yeah, that happened. Like, he was dropping off my food and then proceeds to ask me if I'm married through the Uber app. And I'm like, yo, this is not how this is supposed to work. So I give him a few minutes. I'm like, okay, well, let's just see how it goes, right? And he, um, you know, proceeds to ask me for my phone number. I give it to him. And so we're texting back and forth. And then he starts to ask me all these evasive questions, like, where do I live? And I'm like, curving his questions and he asked me if I have children I'm like sometimes like bro you don't even know if Yolanda is my real name <laughs> and you ask me all of these questions so finally I just told him that I was 65 so that he could stop texting me because I knew that he was trying to set up the booty call and you know it's not that I'm not down for that but it's like I at least need to know your last name so I don't know I find it hard dating in 2017 because I just don't know how to navigate. 
I don't know the new social rules of engagement. I don't know um, where to find people that are kind of looking for the same thing that I'm looking for because I've been married. I have children. So that's not really exactly what I want. I do want something casual and I want um, a friendship, but I also want good sex. And I'm not willing to compromise that, you know, and I'm not trying to, like, get into other people's relationship problems. So, like, a lot of people that I come in contact that are in my age group are already married and they are trying to work work on those problems. So, I'm not the type of person that wants to get in between people trying to rectify their, reconcile their relationships, because I've been there, and I know what that's all about. Um, I think the one mistake that folks are making is that they should be clear about what they want from the beginning. Like, don't send mixed signals. Don't be like, you want, you don't want something permanent or long-term, or you and you know that you really want something casual or don't say that you want something casual and you know that you want something long term. And sometimes that gets a little tricky because sometimes you just want something casual that the other person look good, smell good. They look like they could put it down or maybe they can put it down and then y'all catch feelings like that. <laughs> that can get tricky. Let me see. Um... What should folks know before they step out into the dating world? I don't have any um, ideas about that because I think different people date for different reasons. Because some people are out there actually trying to set up, establish, and create strong families. I'm not that girl. <laughs> I, I have a pretty good family structure as it is from my opinion um because I do have two an ex-husband and a baby father and we co-parent well the children all of my children we co-parent well so as far as me relationship wise I'm not looking for that I'm really looking for companionship and friendship as I start to build other areas of my life and that's just where I am as a 40 year old um trying to get back out there not really um trying to create this family unit because I feel like I have a system that works well um the biggest lesson that I've learned about love is that everything everybody's needs are not the same you know but that doesn't mean that we don't deserve love that doesn't mean that we don't deserve companionship um we do um i hope that helps um peace Uh, hello, so um, this is to get started. Uh, my name is Raul Medina Ceballos. I am a cultural anthropologist living in the coastal province of Esmeraldas in Ecuador, uh, South America. Um, to give a little context, 
this province is particularly known for its historic Afro-Ecuadorian culture and community, but uh, after spending the better part of two years here, um, it's also an extremely racially diverse region with black, indigenous, and uh, mestizo communities, and oftentimes living together. So, I don't know, I guess my segment or my part of this would be a little bit more unconventional because right now I'm still trying to like wrap my head around some of my experiences here. Um, not necessarily about like dating stories and solutions or conclusions, but more of like food for thought, I guess, or imagination outside of the normal. I think for dating as a queer person and as, I don't want to say gender non-conforming, but I'm definitely not conventionally masculine. No, um, I like to consider myself more androgynous. I wear earrings, I have long hair, um, you know. So it's mostly just been trying to carve out a space, no, as a queer person. And um, I don't know, it's been very difficult, especially from the context that I'm from. You know, I was raised in the United States and it was very like gay, bi, uh, identity. And here it's been a lot more, just at least with the men that I've had romantic situations with, um, it's been much more of a fluid thing. So, um, you know, so where I'm living at, um, it's, like from the men that I see, and this is a rough estimate, obviously I haven't gone around and like done the statistics, but from what I see and from just the way discussions are dominated, it seems like 90 to 95% of men, of most of the men here are in conventional heterosexual relationships. They have children. Um, Although the amount of sexual attention that has been thrown towards me and and to people like myself, because there are there is a collective of openly queer people here, um, you know, is it's it's a lot, you know, and so obviously there's like a mixture. A lot of these men are in conventional relationships. Uh, so over here, you would say, if you're a woman, you have your marido, which is your man, and if you're a man, you have your mujer, which is your woman. Um, but oftentimes, you know, people, they, it's not a very monogamous uh, culture here. It's almost expected that someone goes out of the relationship. Obviously, mostly men, but women as well. It seems it happens quite frequently, although with women as, um, you know, the sad part of uh, Latin America, they, they face the threat of violence, you know, and so I think there's sort of a, there's sort of a, a, not omnipotent, but there's sort of like a, like a cultural warning, you know, and so women don't usually do that. But, um, so I'll be speaking to the, the, the outside relationships that I've had with men, um, so there were two that were specifically more romantically inclined. Obviously others were kind of, you know, just like messing around kind of thing. Um, but these were, so uh, these were men who had women and um, who had children. 
And so it was really weird, like, balancing that because I think in the United States, there is sort of this fetishization of what masculinity is, right? And it has more, at least with the queer community, queer men, um, the idea of masculine is usually, like, are they muscular, like, deep voice? It's a very sort of... Uh, plastic kind of idea and whereas here you know it's like like when I've talked to other queer people there there's like you know they talk about bisexuals um, and then there's like the a hetero right which is interesting because I think in, in the United States would you say someone's heterosexual it means being devoid of uh, just having any queer experience. Here, it's actually considered, like, possibility, you know, to, like, be with a heterosexual man, and, like, I've interviewed a couple queer men here, um, all of them more feminine, and, yeah, they would tell me, you know, like, yeah, I had, like, a boyfriend once, and he was, he was hetero, and, um, and, yeah, you know, like, we would talk about some of those problems. I guess if you, if we could define the two men that I was with that they would be considered heterosexual mostly in the that the roles that they play which is like what what is which is the factors that that people make right so it's more it's like you have your woman and then your children and so you fulfill that role and you stay with your woman primarily um like the strange part of the relationships I was in, obviously, you know, I don't have children. Um, and so one guy in particular, it was it was almost expected of me to contribute to him in in terms of like economically, you know? And so and this is normal in Latin America. I would say in a lot of um developing countries or former colonies, there there's always economic components to relationships, you know? Uh obviously there's love, but um a relationship, at least how this was explained to me, um cannot be sustained without an economic component. So if a man has a woman it would eventually break apart if he never gives her money, like at at certain points of the relationship, um, contributing to her economically. And obviously she would like cook for him and all these things. Um, and so that also applies to queer relationships. Um, so this guy, um, for now, we will call him Vincent. Uh, but yeah, no, this guy is... Um, you know, he has a child and a woman who doesn't work, uh, so he's the only one who works. And so when we see each other, it's usually him taking time out of his, um, you know, out of his, his work schedules. And so there were moments where, like, and this was a shock to me, uh, where he would expect me to, like, be like, hey, like, I really need, like, $20 or $30. Like, could you give this to me? And at first I reacted very, like very adversely I was like why are you because in the states that's really taboo and it's just like why are you asking me like this is like really wrong and um it actually caused a couple of problems and obviously this is a cultural thing um and until I had confided in a guy a friend of mine and he was you know telling me he's like no you need to mantener mantener means to maintain and he's just like everyone maintains like I maintain my woman 
you know, like if the woman's working and the man's not working, then she has to maintain. And so like, it's just this whole, it's been like a very interesting uh, experience for me because I was like, is this about money? But he was definitely very sexually into me and like we had a, a thing. It's no longer a thing though. Um, but it was, there was just a lot of like cultural, there was a lot of cultural um, blockades that were going on there, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, and just to talk about some themes, you know, I don't know, I found myself um, very much sexualized in, in a lot of ways, and it was, it was flattering at first, you know, because it was very different for me. It was very, in the States, everything is so closeted, and, um, and here it's not to say that it's not closeted, because relationships are closeted, but the way that people would hit on me, the way that men would um, direct attention, it, it was very, it'd be very, very forceful, very upfront, uh, but it was almost always a sexual kind of thing, no? Um, and so I had actually come to the realization that um, there's sort of a sexualization that, that happens with queer folk and it's seen as more of a sexual conquest and opportunities and not necessarily as uh, relationships to invest in unless there is that economic component. But then that is also like you're a part of this larger family structure that involves a woman and children um, most of the time. So, you know, like it was weird and, and the queer people, at least in these rural areas, uh, openly acknowledge that, that it's like, that that is sort of the, the, the way that they include themselves into the lives of the men that they care for. Um, I don't know, I mean, at this point, I went through a lot of stages really trying to understand it. So obviously the, the attention was very flattering at first. Uh, then later on, after I did, you know, uh, engage in some experiences, um, it was just a lot of recurring themes, and like I couldn't really go out with these men, and like, like we could go out and like be friends and all that stuff, but um, in this town, like, you know, if I wanted to have sex, for example, or if I wanted to like get intimate, it would be problematic and so I would have to like we would have to go out into like another town which is like two hours away three hours away go to a beach and it was just really I don't know it was really tough at this point I'm I'm single uh, kind of open to like just general experiences like sexual experiences but not necessarily like relationships because relationships were very taxing um, and you know, in, it's not like in cities where there are queer movements, and so. Um, but it's been very eye-opening for me, very enlightening. I actually value it a lot. It really asks, it really begs the question of how do queer people feel, you know, see themselves in in this grand in this grander picture, no? Because I think that these kinds of relationships are happening everywhere. Um, but because of homophobia and um, just generally the the way things have turned out with towards you know I'm yes it's it's becoming better it's becoming more progressive but the 
this whole theoretical acceptance of queer folk is very different than the practice. And so um, it really leaves me with questions of how do we find ourselves in relationships? Because in the end, you know, when I was with Vincent, it was very, there. I did have a place in that relationship and it was like sexual and romantic, but it was also economic. And there was just a lot of, there was a lot of lies on the point, on the, and obviously in the direction of the woman that he was with. Um, and so it's really just, I guess what I'm, what I, uh, what do I get out of this? I feel like I'm rambling. These are mostly just disparate thoughts, you know? Uh, I'm currently writing about it, but um, just how does queerness see itself? Because in the United States, the idea of, because when I, when I would talk to some of these men, um, how they see themselves and they don't see themselves as bisexual and it's not this whole like denial thing self-denial it's just that here that doesn't apply to them right and so it's like yeah like sometimes you know like I, I like to have sex with a with a gay and so it's interesting because even like how gay people are conceptualized it's like a another gender kind of thing and so um, and because it's always a specific type of person no it's someone who if it's a man it's it's someone who's less who who's obviously like a little bit less masculine or more feminine or just more gender queer in general and um, and so like even with trans women here, I've seen how men talk about them, and uh, sometimes they would be called, you know, gay. But at other times, like with older men, I've seen um, they would talk about trans women as like as women, right? Uh, <laughs> but just like a special kind of woman. And so like I've seen, uh, I heard this guy once who was just like, yeah, the woman with the one hole. He was very enthusiastic about trans women, and so um, it's just it's very gray, you know. And uh, but when you see these more extreme contexts, it, it asks it begs different kinds of questions. And I guess uh, how do we envision relationships of the future? And it was not very uncommon, you know, that in different parts of Africa and different parts of Latin America, that men would have a woman and uh, like a boy, but not necessarily a boy, but just like a younger, a younger male. Um, or a more flamboyant male. And uh, a good book for that is um, Boy Wives and Female Husbands. It's a book about um, African homosexualities as they, as they wrote it, the, the authors. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess I have no solutions, but just more questions. And how do we... I don't know, I mean, at this point, my, my thinking is that queer people definitely have a place in communities, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like, it's not mirroring the conventional heterosexual relationship, but more so that we can help um, take care of children and be part of these relationships, but without, I don't know, that also like puts into question monogamy and like, but yeah, um, I guess in, in, in what I can say that I've really learned is, um, I don't know, to just more that queer people value each other a little bit more. Um, 
because in addition to some of the the more you know the more painless things of just sort of being catcalled and uh, sexualized there have been moments of like you know <laughs> um, just being generally threatened no and uh, in a very sexual way uh, there was a man who's you know like he's not really homeless because he's a family here but he chooses to be homeless because uh, he's addicted to drugs there's a lot of drug addiction here um, you know, who like get, every day would be like, when are we like, when are we gonna, <laughs> when are we gonna mess around? When are we gonna mess around? Um, and I'm like, I don't like, I always avoid answering that question because I don't want to make him mad. Uh, and then you know, one time he told me he was going to uh, violate me when no one was looking. And so these were some of the things. Um, you know, that I've also seen that are more, that, you know, I, I can really un understand the plight of women, you know, that to deal, well, not fully, but just dealing with that, the existential threat of sexual assault and um, that there's just, there's that aggression in the air. Um, and so some of those things, I've had bad experiences in the United States, you know, um, and when it's always of a sexual nature with a man, it would, sometimes be sort of this, de this devaluation. And these are usually men who are closeted. Um, and so, you know, I guess finding new ways to value ourselves, but value also diversity in sexual expression. And I, I don't think, that's why I use queer at this point. I don't, I don't know, I really am a little bit um, averse towards LGBT, well, LGB, uh, because I understand that those that those flow, you know, um, and even trans folk, I think it's there's a flow, and like everyone brings something different, and I think we need to respect that, and we need to accept that and embrace that, and without limiting it to very specific pronouns. Um, if it works for you, it works for you, but it doesn't work for everyone. And but then when you when you allow, if you give that space, it's like, how do we also respect each other in our different positions? Um, I don't have the answer to that, but I think it's a, it's sort of like a searching question that I have for, um, or a reaching question that I have for uh, my queer community at large, especially queer communities of color. Um, you know that we also come from contexts that are more diverse and more gray. Uh, even if they are, de like, declaring-wise, more homophobic, um, but in practice. Obviously, there's declarations, and then there's practice. Um, you know, and building that world, and how do we build that world with, with women? Because um, it is a very machista world. Uh, here, at least in, in Esmeraldas, but I've seen that even even though there is a queerness and like it seems to be more gray, um, it men it just in the end just like win at, like <laughs> like at the the heterosexual man whether or not he is messing around with dudes, the one who's perceived as the heterosexual and who who heads the household and things like that. It in the end they just always win. And so it's how do we change that? Uh, what would that look like? Um, and what kind of questions do we need to ask ourselves uh, as queer people? 
um, to be able to create a non-machista queer world, you know, and like this is, I don't know, this is a, it's been very, it's been very interesting. It's had its up and ups and downs. At this point, um, I'm kind of, you know, like now that the investigation that I was a part of is about to end, uh, I'm ready to go back with a lot of these questions, go back to the United States, and uh, really engage my, engage the queer community differently than I did before, um, and with more intentional valuing of the people that make up my community, especially queer people of color, um, because I think there's a lot of things we need to, we need to address, especially in the United States. Hey, Badger Steamers, Hope here. Um, so I'm 41 and I've been single since about a year ago. Um, am I dating? Um, right now, uh, passively, I've gone out on a few dates here and there. Um, no uh, prospects yet, but... I try to, you know, lead with an open heart um, and an open mind and, you know, just be positive and, you know, I think it'll happen soon and happen in its own time. Um, what makes dating easy? Um, what makes it easy is when you do your work on yourself and you sort out your own intentions of dating. Um, you deal with your own levels of expectations. Um, a lot of the, a lot of what can make it easy is if you do some of your background work first, because then you won't put so much pressure or put so much expectation on an outcome. And you can just sort of go into it with, hey, I'm getting to know this new person. You know, if nothing comes of it, I'll have a good friend or a good person to go to the movies with, whatever, whatever. Um, what makes it hard is, um, you know, sometimes people aren't as transparent as they should be. Um, I don't think, um, I don't assume off the bat that it's, um, with malicious intent, but I think, um, we don't get encouraged enough to do self-reflection and self-work. Um, so a lot of times people don't answer their own questions as to why they're dating, um, what, you know, what they want, you know, going, going forward, short term, long term. Um, so that can make things a little challenging. Um, what are some mistakes that people make? Um, giving and expecting too much too soon. Um, you know, folks getting wrapped up and, you know, you've gone out once or twice and you done already left the man in your house and he's spending the night and you cooking for him and you have not had one single discussion on, okay, are we in a relationship? You know, are we together? Like what's going on? Me personally, if you're not my man, I'm not cooking for you. You're not spending the night. I'm not doing girlfriend things. Um, for somebody that's not my man. So, okay. um, so yeah, you know, cause you invest all this stuff emotionally, sexually, all of that. And then, 
you get hit with, oh, well, we're just friends, you know, and and that kind of hurts. I mean, admittedly so. And even as I give these points, you know, trust people, I have been through these things. That's how I learned not to do them anymore. (laughs) But, um, yeah, stop giving. And it's not even about being prudish when it comes to sex, but sex is an energy exchange. Um, So you just got to be mindful of who you share your time, your space, your body, your emotions with, you know, try to get a clear idea of where things are headed first. Um, so yeah, that are, that's one of the mistakes that people make. Um, and having too many expectations too soon, it's just one day you're not going to run off to the justice of the peace and get married. Um, so, you know, just chill, have a good time and, you know, just enjoy the privilege of getting to know another human being because human beings are very interesting. People got some interesting hobbies and stuff out there. So, um, as far as advice I would give, um, sort yourself out. I cannot stress this enough. You need to understand why you're dating. Are you dating for pleasure? Are you dating with the purpose of getting married Are you dating for friends? You have to make that clear with yourself first. Um, What's your temperament like? Um, Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Um, Do you go to church? Um, How do you feel about, you know, finances? Are you a spendthrift? Are you a lavish spender? Um, You know, what are your political views? Uh, Where do you want to live? You know, things like that. Um, What are your values, your virtues? What are things that are important to you? Because that is going to guide you in terms of, you know, when you start seeking and choosing, you know, and going on dates, you can be listening for those things to see if that person if their values and their virtues align with yours. So like, for instance, if you are like a church going person and this other person is an atheist, I'm not real sure how that's going to work. Or if you like to travel all over the place and this person's a homebody, you know, it might be, it might be a challenge, you know, it, it may work, but you know, you have to do that first and understand like why you're dating first. Um, be prepared to accept rejection, um, because everybody you meet, is not going to be a love connection and go into it with that, with that ideology, you know, in life, just in general, this is just a good lesson in life, period. Um, we win some, we lose some. And, you know, I've gone on dates with guys and ain't never called me never again. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I thought I was dope. But anyway, (laughs) so be okay with rejection. Um, You know, me personally, I date with a purpose of long-term partnership that'll lead to marriage. And I state that up front. But I also preface it with, hey, listen, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be hounding you to, like, buy me a ring in, like, a month. That that doesn't mean my preferences have nothing to do with anybody else. It's just me. 
So, um, you know, I just state my preference and let the other person choose because in the end, relationships work best when people have chosen to be in them and they haven't been manipulated or guilted or anything of the sort, you know? So, yeah. Um, so I hope this was helpful. Um, I think I went on a little long, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So thank you and take care. My name is Ayana Imani. Today we are talking about dating. So let's talk about what's dating like in 2017. Um, Some of the dating mistakes that I have learned, some of the lessons that I've learned, and I'll just go on a quick backstory about my dating. So right now I am right around the corner from 30. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I am almost 30. But um, before then I had my first relationship when I was 17. That lasted until I was 23. Um, And then I had another relationship at 24 and that ended when I was 28. So I have been in relationships most of the time, but in this really weird gray area where sometimes we were together, sometimes we weren't, sometimes we had labels and titles, sometimes we didn't. So um, as far as dating as a single person, I'm actually just having that experience now. At 29, I am dating my neighbor. Yes, my neighbor. (laughs) So that started, that was completely unexpected. Um, When I moved in here, we didn't get to know each other for a while. In fact, I was curving him, he says, for about six months or so. Most recently, in the last couple of months, we have started dating, gotten physical, and now we're talking about possibly um, looking further uh, into a relationship, which is kind of scary for me because dating, when you get a little bit older, um, I believe some of the characteristics that you're looking for, it changes. It changes from, oh, I want somebody to be cute. Oh, I want a nice body. Oh, I want you to be funny. I want you to like anime. And now we're like, so what do you want for dinner? Uh, Do you want to have more children? Do you have a 401k? Like what's going on with that situation? So I would say, Um, Some of the difficulties that I have experienced in dating in 2017 is trusting transparency. Like when you get older and when you are a full adult, I feel like making people or making friends, excuse me, is something that is harder to do. So when you meet people and you don't know them from anywhere, who they present themselves as is who you have to believe for them to be. And for me, I know that uh, I have trust issues, which is ironic because I was an ex-cheater in the last relationship and that could have a lot to do with me having trust issues. But sometimes it's hard for me to to genuinely believe what someone is presenting to me, which is kind of, um, it's a, it's a disservice to who I'm getting to know because they just, they, um, want you to believe like who they are. And like, I would want somebody to believe who I am. Um, so getting over trust issues or getting over issues in past relationships or just like growth blockages in general is something that I have had, um, a difficulty with in 2017. So I've had to explore why I'm feeling the way that I feel, why I'm putting up a guard, why I'm, uh, unaccessible to some people. Why am I so, um, very self-protecting in this moment. 
Um, being vulnerable is probably my next difficulty. So I am a hard ass. I'm an alpha female. I am a very just straightforward, no BS, no nonsense kind of person. So for me, it's just like being vulnerable with someone that you're getting to know can be a very, um, vulnerable situation. It's definitely um, something that I am having difficulty with as I like to be in control of a lot of things. And although you cannot control your emotions, sharing them definitely has an impact on the type of relationship or the type of dating that you all like would like to pursue. Um, and also, re not relaxing on my boundaries, but setting expectation but also leaving room for the person to be who they are. I know for me, I was kind of like, before I started dating again, I just knew that I wanted to date differently. Um, now that my priorities are changing and my life is changing and I'm growing to a more a, a age where I want to be more solid in my life, the expectations that I have are really rigid. Like I, want, I know I want this, 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 and that. But sometimes the person who's coming to the table or the person that you meet may have some of those qualities, but may have some other qualities that aren't on the list or baggage or issues or things that make them people because we're all people and all of us have different issues and things that we bring to the table. And it's okay to understand that you have expectations, you have boundaries, you have standards, but that person may not fit that mode to a T. And realistically, no person is going to fit that mode to a T. So trying to decide what's acceptable for me and what's a deal breaker for me has uh, definitely been something that has been difficult to, to figure out. Um, one thing I would say is a dating mistake for me, personally speaking, is that I um, have this hard ass facade. And I think that's a mistake. Like, don't be too guarded where you are not allowing yourself to connect. Like, and I say, um, for me, it was a facade because I knew that I liked the person that I was starting to date or starting to see. Um, but again, being vulnerable and discussing those feelings was something that was just kind of foreign to me because I had been single um, for 10 months before dating, um, I was getting over my last relationship, or I'm sorry, a year. Out of that year, I spent 10 months like mourning my relationship and actually healing from it. So now a year out of being uh, in a long-term relationship, I find that um, I'm just really focused on what I want. And uh, sometimes I put up a facade as if I don't like the person and a uh, as much when I do. And so that's one thing that I would say is, is freely express that you like the person. And then, you know, if they come back to you giving half-ass effort, then, you know, you, you know what they're bringing and you can see and observe their actions and you act accordingly. Um, but I would, that's one thing I would say is putting up a facade, um, and putting up a wall has been some, a dating mistake for me. Um, and also, I would just say that that being real as a person is extremely important. So I was having a conversation with um, one of my um, business partners the other day, and we were just talking about how it's really important for people to come into situations in dating just being themselves, because a lot of people, especially femme people, um, we 
abide by these societal um, expectations of beauty or what you feel like femme people should be. And then you end up expressing this person who's not even a real person. Like you're, you're putting on this, uh, this front, like you're not being real about who you are. And at this point in my life, I'm like, listen, I got stretch marks. I am a terrible sleeper. Like I have a ton of flaws. These are my issues. And I'm really being real about who I am. So you don't have to guess about what I'm bringing to the table or who I am as a person because I'm giving you the real from the front door because I want you to know what you're getting. Um, And so that's probably something that um, I feel we can do more as people is just be our authentic self and whoever we attract and maintain and the relationships that we keep uh, because we're being ourselves are the ones that are genuine and that's supposed to be in our lives. The people who drop off because they don't like your stretch marks or your saggy boobs or whatever you're bringing to the table, then that's good for them. They can go find what they're looking for and save you heartache because they don't accept you for who you who you are on the inside. Um, so the biggest lesson for me in dating that I have figured out in 2017 is don't be afraid to establish your expectations for what you're wanting. And um, I think that that's hard for a lot of people to do because they don't want to scare off the person that they're dating or getting to know. It's just kind of like, how much can I ask or require of this person before it becomes too much? But it's okay from the gate to say, you know what, if we're going to participate in sex, it could only be with the condom. Um, I want to know, I want to have protected sex until we're exclusive. Or um, I would like to be contacted, you know, during the day, like I like to talk to you. I don't like waiting 12 hours or four hours for a response to a text message. Like those kind of things are important. And when you state your, your expectations and what you're wanting, if that person changes something or they changes a, they change a behavior, not necessarily themselves, but if they're doing something that is not making you feel the best or not making you feel very assured or that you're thought about or cared about or whatever, um, then when, if they make that modification or that small adjustment for you, then I really believe that that action speaks volumes and, and it speaks about how they feel about you. Um, so that's one thing that, that I, that has been a lesson for me. Um, and it's okay to keep distance if you are, uh, healing or if you are, um, trying to grow past a, a previous relationship. Um, I believe that it's important for you to take things at the speed that's comfortable for you. And people who want to date you will will respect that and, and be okay with it. So if we're only texting or calling once a week, or if we're only dating, you know, or seeing each other once a week, that's fine because that's what I'm ready for. And the person who wants to date you or get to know you will be okay with that because they will understand that you have a need and it's okay to to oblige to what you're needing. Um, and another thing that I would say is observe people like, um, dating for me in 2017, although it hasn't, my love life on the realist tip has been pretty dry up until two months ago. There have been people who, you know, want to talk to me and want to take me out, but I just haven't really been open to that. But now since this new person has walked into my life and they are experiencing characteristics that I like and that attract me more to them, um, then I'm just like, okay, well, maybe I can give it a chance. But in observing the person that I'm currently seeing and dating, um, 
what they do and how they move tells me what I need to know about them. So instead of asking them questions about, oh, what's your favorite color? Or, or asking them behavior questions like, oh, so what do you do when this happens? Or tell me about a time. Um, those are questions that I used to ask when I was getting to know someone because I just thought, you know, what they would tell me is what I needed to know about them. But now I... what how I know what I need to know is through observing the actions of that person. So for instance, one issue that I had was, um, I, the person that I was getting to know before we actually got more serious into this dating thing, um, they used to have people like spend the night and now, and since we're neighbors, it just kind of makes everything super close. Like, you know, when you're getting to know someone, typically you don't, you don't see their whereabouts because you're not, You don't live next to them. But since we are in close proximity, we basically can watch each other's lives, which sounds extremely weird. It kind of feels that way. Um, But before, when we at the beginning, when we started talking or getting to know one another, um, they would have, you know, people come over, which is fine. Like your sex life is your sex life. And not even assuming that they were having sex, but they were having visitors that spent the night. Um, And so for me, I was just like, okay, well, you know, that tells me where they are in their dating, like what they're ready for is I can tell by what they're wanting by what's happening. Um, But then as we began to to have more conversations and hang out more, I noticed that there were less cars that that were coming and there were less people that were spending the night. Now, since we're really... um, more serious about getting to know one another on a more relationship level, I've noticed that no one has come over. And so, you know, for me, it's just kind of like, okay, now that shows me that I am someone that you can see potential with. And so other people, you know, aren't getting as much time or you aren't entertaining them as much. And so, um, I just believe that people show you who they are and trusting their actions is, um, is very important or just at least being cognizant of what they're doing. I know that kind of sounds weird, but, um, but actions for me speak a lot. Um, but I would say just to piggyback on that is that don't rely on your own understanding. So if you see something that is alarming or something that causes question or concern or makes you feel kind of like, you know, this doesn't make me feel the best or I feel a little bit anxious or worried about this, then I say bring it to the table and let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about what this is. And based on what they say, you can tell a bs <laughs> You can tell when things aren't adding up and when someone isn't being honest with you. But at least if you raise these concerns, then you all can talk about it and you can gain a better understanding about where they're coming from and gain more clarification about where you're going and dating. Although that sounds a little bit serious, but, um, and then last thing that I think, uh, is a lesson for me is, um, falling for, for someone's potential, excuse me. So it's like, when you see someone, you're super fascinated because one, they're new. So it's just like everything is fascinating. You want to know like all the stuff there is to know. Um, they're in, you're intrigued by them and like 98% of what they do is just really amazing. So um, I believe that it's important to understand that people are real people And also that their characteristics um, could be a part of who they are, like a core being of who they are. And it's important to realize who you're dealing with on the real versus the, the potential that you see in that person. Understand that potential is something that could come out and it could surface, but 
you um, may not want to choose someone based on potential uh, rather than actually trusting the characteristics that they're showing you. Um, so for me, I'm having to make choices and, um, and try and make decisions like, okay, so is this behavior something that I can deal with? Like, I, I know that this person's potential for improving in this area is great because they're showing me that they're striving for more. But, you know, if that doesn't happen, will I still be okay with getting to know this person or, or being in a relationship with them? Um, so dealing with the real is definitely um, something that I've learned is, you know, if you want to get to know someone, you're going to get to know the good and the bad, you know, the indifferent, the their past, whatever that may entail. Um, and you have to be okay with, with that and accepting of that person and not get into a relationship wishing that they would change something. It's like, if that doesn't change, would I still be able to care as much for them or see myself liking or loving them in the future with the same characteristic that may not, um, that I may not particularly like or care for. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what's been going on with me. Again, my name is Ayana Imani. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Vagisteam. Have a good day.